0: in just a second, um, but before he does, I want to go through one thing with you, and um, so if you haven't, if you weren't, weren't here in the last couple weeks, we have five practices that we're doing as a community leading up to Easter, and so on here, if you, you might have this in your Bible or you might have it in your purse, pull this out, um, so the first one is the big personal ask. And so what we're saying is, God, here's one thing I'd like you to break through in my life about. Here's one big thing that I want to ask God every day, just once a day, leading up to Easter. And so that is your big personal ask. And so write it on this paper, and it helps you frame it. We're not going to get compulsive. We're not going to ask 20 times a day. We're just going to ask God one time a day, God, would you break in my life or my situation or my community in this way. So that's the first one. The second one is give something up for the next 40 days. And instead of food, we're rec- we're saying, what if we gave up a judgmental attitude or a critical heart or something like that? What would help you frame your spiritual life in a way? What's one thing that you could give up for these 40 days? The third one is identify and pray for your three. Three, three who? Three neighbors? Three neighbors? three co-workers, three people that aren't part of your spiritual family, church family, that may need more of God in their life. And so you identify three and we'll start praying for your three. And then four, which we talked about last week, is blow some money or kindness on one of your three. We just want you to like, like take one of your three, and not in a weird way, but in a very natural way, whether it be a plate of cookies that you make, or blow some money on on uh, one of your three this week. And the last one is experiment with the daily devotional. And so the daily devotional, um, if you don't have your own devotional that you use on a, on a daily basis, there's some in the back there by the back door. And it just gives you a guide. There's a reading, some readings in here, as well as a morning prayer, evening prayer, and some other things to connect with God. Okay? Josh, come on up here. And... Um, Josh has been our associate pastor for eight years and he's going to be sharing with us this morning and as he gets wired up um, I want to say one more thing Uh, we have a deacon team that's been doing amazing around here. Um, They've been building a shed out there to house stuff that we need Um, they've been painting the doors and the playground area, the fence, they've They've been working all over the place, and so if you're on that deacon team, could you just raise your hand up? Yeah, give these guys a huge hand. Thank you guys. Thanks for serving. It means the world, as you know. Like, it takes a lot to keep our campus, uh, like, keep it up, keep up with it, and so they they've been doing that. So thank you guys. You guys have been doing awesome. You guys, you ready? I'm I'm trying to just buy some time here. Okay, let's see. I want to thank, no, we're good. Let, let, me think. let me pray for Josh, and um, oh, here's one more thing. Jeremy, come up here. I didn't write it down. So, this is Jeremy Pleasant. Jeremy Pleasant was on my staff in Baton Rouge, and Jeremy's the guy that took over um, our church in Baton Rouge, so he's the lead pastor of the baton rouge vineyard church (laughs) so jeremy since you're here what's one thing of dirt that you can give them my my church about about me okay we got some time no 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 no, no, we're good you want to say anything no i mean i'm just i'm I'm really really grateful to come and visit today I'm, i'm actually a california native Okay, Josh, let me pray for Josh. Lord, thanks for Josh, his heart, uh, their family, and I just pray as, I pray your spirit would come as he communicates how do we step forward in what you're calling us to do and taking that leap of faith. So, Lord, we want to follow you in taking that leap of faith this Easter. In Jesus' name,
1: amen. Good morning. Let's do a quick sound check, test, can you guys hear me? Perfect. All right. Well, this we've been going through our Advent series here, and we're talking about leaps of faith. And I remember that um, John first talked about taking uh, little leaps of faith, kind of practicing getting um, you know, our feet wet, taking little steps. And then last week he talked about crossing the moat. And today we're going to talk about taking big leaps of faith. Right? It's kind of the natural progression. So I want to ask everybody in here, has there been a time in your life? where you've had to make big leaps of faith. Maybe they could be career changes. I know maybe it was your spouse and the proposal and the whole marriage thing. Uh, Maybe whatever it be, maybe what university you were going to go to or college or school. Or I know as we counsel uh, the young folks who have just graduated high school, that's one of their big concerns and leaps of faith is where do I go to school? Whatever that leap of faith was, there's one thing that we can be sure about it, and that is those giant leaps of faith were where we probably saw the most growth in ourselves and in our life, and where we reaped the biggest blessings from God. I can look at my life and see those too, so I'm going to give you a quick snapshot into my life, not starting at the beginning. Like everybody else, I was born. Fast forward. Uh. Just I mean little things right that started off as a kid when I was nine I wanted to be baptized and so just like haven I was excited to do it But it was in front of everybody that was a leap of faith in high school Uh, I got the privilege to join uh, a weightlifting class, but I had to join a sport And so that weightlifting coach said josh what sport are you going to do? And I said, oh, I guess i'll do basketball and he said don't do a girl sport do wrestling there is no greater leap of faith than putting on the singlet (laughs) and going out into your first match as a flabby freshman uh but wrestling proved to be one of those things where i matured leaps and bounds having a guy in my face that would yell at me and say i don't care if you're wheezing get over it and get out it was great completely changed who i was Going into college and taking those next steps. And then, of course, meeting this awesome, awesome lady, Aurora, taking that leap of faith to propose to her. It wasn't a big leap. She had a crush on me for a while, so I figured (laughs) I'd be okay. And then, and she did say yes. Naturally, here we are, three kids later. But going up to our wedding day, another big leap of faith. And the reason it was a leap of faith is because I had no car, I had no job. Three weeks prior, we had no apartment to live in. We didn't even have a honeymoon booked, and our cash was strapped. And somebody at the church at that moment said, Don't worry about that. You guys are clearly supposed to be together. God's going to make it all happen. And he did. It was incredible. And obviously, big blessings there, right? We have a great marriage, great life, great kids. It's a blast. And then, of course, eight years ago, I was teaching. And I'd known that God had put a call on my life for pastoral ministry, but then. The assistant pastor position opened up here, and that was another one. We applied, and we were brought in, and we had to leave teaching. I know your life has been marked with those types of big, giant leaps of faith. And this morning, we're going to look at Abraham, and we're going to see how when God calls somebody to something big, to something scary, and to something mysterious, that's when his blessings come into our lives, and that's when we experience the greatest growth for us. So let's go ahead and start and open our Bibles to Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. And I'm going to say a quick prayer. Holy Spirit, we ask that you come. We ask that you come, that you open our hearts, that you open our minds to what your word has to say to us this morning. We ask that you give us courage to do and to follow the example of Abraham. Jesus, we love you and we thank you for your word. We say these things in Jesus name. Amen. So in Genesis chapter 12, verse one, it says, the Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land. I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you. I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Such a small story. Such a small section of scripture. But this little section of scripture really sets forth everything else that's going to develop, right? Everything from uh, going back to Egypt to Moses and then to David and then through the prophets and then, of course, all the way up to Jesus. No verse in the Bible probably sets up God's story more than this one. And as you know, all of these stories are riddled with drama and epicness to them and You only find that in what? The history. You guys love history, right? Okay, I'm going to try. One more time. (laughs) We all love history, right? Okay, you're a bunch of liars, but we're going to do it anyway. Okay, good. Well, some people do. So let's talk about Abraham first of all. There really isn't much description that's given to him here, but there's clues in the text that tell us what he is actually like. Abraham grew up In the city of Ur. Now, Ur was the capital of Sumeria. Sumeria was kind of the first of the ancient empires in Mesopotamia, uh, where modern-day Iraq is. And Ur, as all capitals are, was a thriving metropolis. It had every major big city convenience that would be available at that time. And that's what Abraham was familiar with. Big, big cities wealthy people, gold, temples, all kinds of things. While he was there, he married a lady named Sarah. I know the Bible says Sarai at this part. Later, God changes Abram's name to Abraham and then her name to Sarah. I'm just going to refer to them as Abraham and Sarah. But he married Sarah, and they could not have kids. Now, this is no small thing, and we're going to look at this a little bit later, but this is an epic disaster. For a person. And the reason it's an epic disaster for a person is because not being able to have kids sets the whole social order backwards for them. Abraham being the oldest, it meant he was going to inherit his father's possessions, his father's land, all of that stuff. But Abraham not having a son and not having a kid, where would it go? It turned everything on its head. This was a big sign of shame his father moves all of the family to another city called Haran, which is in the north. So Abraham now is taking his wife and their family, following his dad and moving to a city called Haran, which is also another major city. This place was on the trade routes, right? So it's one of those places where everybody keeps going there because in order for Egypt to trade with Sumer, they would go past this city Haran. It was one of those that you would stop on. Don't think Barstow not Barstow. It's not, it's not that. It was a thriving place with multicultural religions and stories and theologies and wealth and all of that. And that's where Abraham's father decided to have them settle. While he was there, his father dies. And Abraham now becomes the patriarch, but with no children. So you can imagine the burden that Abraham's feeling. Then God calls Abraham to make a giant leap of faith. He asks him to leave his country, his people, and his family. There's a clear escalation that's happening here in the text. uh, text. I want you to leave your country. I want you to leave your clan, the people that you're around. And then I want you to leave your father's house and go somewhere. To give you an idea, it would be as if God called one of you and said, I want you to leave the United States, renounce your citizenship, and leave your family behind. That's a big call. If God, I'm going to confess to you right now, if God said to me, I want you to leave the United States, renounce your citizenship, and leave your family behind, I'd say, we're going to throw out a couple fleeces for that. You'd have to swallow me in a fish to get me to do that, God. I'm not going willingly. That's a huge ask. What's even more is he doesn't even tell Abraham where to go. Notice what the text says. Take your family, take everything, and go to the land I will show you. So God's calling you, and he's calling me, and he says, I want you to leave America, renounce your citizenship, and go east. How could we do that? But the very next verse, what does he do? He goes. When I put myself in Abraham's position, I truly reflect. And I know it would be really, really hard for God. or oh, I'm sorry, for me to obey a call like that from God. But this is why uh, he gets celebrated in the book of James and in Hebrews as one of the great examples of faith. And Abraham went. And not only did Abraham go, but Abraham received blessings from God. He promises him things. God says he promises land, he promises kids, and he promises reputation. In other words, God says, Abraham, I want you to take this massive, scary, huge leap of faith, and I'm going to give you all the things that are missing in your life. I'm asking you to leave your family. I'm asking you to leave your clan, but I'm going to make your name great. Everybody's going to know who you are. You are going to be the father of a great nation. And I'm going to give you a place to live. Actual land. And Abraham does it. And we know from his story that he receives all of the blessings that God had promised him. Every single one of them. We cannot be blessed by God. In our comfort zones. It would have been much easier for Abraham to stay in his house, to stay with his family, to stay in this thriving metropolis that he was a part of and tell God, That sounds great. I'm just going to wait it out here. But he didn't. He followed God into this mysterious place across the desert because he wasn't going to settle for his comfort zone. And once he got out, he received these major blessings. What an example for all of us. God promises Abraham that he will be a blessing to the whole world. Not only does he promise him kids, not only does he promise him land, not only does he promise to make his name and his reputation great, but he promises that he will be a blessing to the entire world. This is clearly a reference to who? To Jesus. This is a a promise to Abraham that through you and through your descendants, the entire world will be reconciled back to God. As his people, the kingdom is going to go forth because of what you do, Abraham. This is fulfilled in Acts 1 8. When I was, love biblical studies, but when I was reading this and I saw that progression, I want you to leave your country, I want you to leave your clan, and I want you to leave your family. I thought to myself, wow, that sounds a lot like Jesus telling his disciples that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's almost as if Jesus has this promise in mind, and he tells his disciples that this is the blessing. This is the thing that came from Abraham that would bless the entire world. You leave what is closest to you, what is dearest to you, And then you go out to that next step, your next uncomfortable zone. And then you move to the next, right? You move from home, Jerusalem. Then you move to the next place, Judea. And then Samaria. And then the final call is to the ends of the earth. What an amazing call. It's almost as if the kingdom of God is built by leaps of faith and going. What an amazing thing. The kingdom of God is built by leaps of faith and going. <laughs> a short devotional. Some of you already know, right, that uh, we're going to be taking a big leap of faith in our lives. Uh, I'm going to invite Aurora up here. Yeah, you can clap first. her. She's awesome. <laughs> uh, some of you already know But uh, we got a call. Actually, let me start back in September as Aurora walks up here. Uh, John uh, came to the church in August and was officially not christened, (laughs) not inaugurated, installed. There it was. Was officially installed in September. And as I got to know John and John got to know me, um, we realized, like, man, we really get along. We could really be best friends doing ministry together. But one of the things that John noticed was that uh, I have a gifting and I have a call to lead a church. One of the most encouraging things that John said to me was, Josh, God has gifted you with everything you need right now to take a church to 300. Wow, that means a lot. And it wasn't just an empty promise. So what John did is he started referring churches that he heard about within the vineyard from the grapevine to me, and said, hey, you can go follow up with these churches, and so we did. We started pursuing, we pursued one in Seattle, and that was a no-go, too much rain. just, good Lord, no. Oh, obviously there were more reasons, but you can ask me about those later at lunch, and then for another church in North Carolina, and so we called the guy in North Carolina, and I spoke to him, and it didn't really seem like it was going to work out, this is probably in November. And so then fast forward to February, he gives me another call and he's really, really, really excited. And he says, Hey, Josh, I want you to come over here. I'm leaving July 1st and uh, it's up to you to say yes. And I stop and I go, wait, is this a job offer? And he says, I mean, well, you should still come visit the church. Like, but if I say yes, I, I, I get the position. And he said, yeah, like, well, that's a job offer. Like, Come on, what is happening here? No interview, no nothing. And so we go out and we fly to North Carolina a couple weeks ago. And I'm telling you, Charlotte is not what you think it is. But when we flew out there, we were telling people, we're not going to do this. This is absurd. It's way out there on the East Coast. All our family and friends are here. We don't feel it. We're just going as a learning experience. That's fair, right? So we got on the plane. I hate flying, not because I'm scared, but because you're sitting like this next to somebody that mouth breathes while they sleep. (laughs) And we get to North Carolina. We meet the pastor. Everybody's so cool in Charlotte. There's no southern accents. It's the weirdest thing. I was expecting deep fried and barbecued. No, it was great. We meet the people there. We meet the church. We get on the plane or we're in the airport. We're eating sushi. Airport sushi is about as good as you think it would be. And we look at each other and we say, oh my gosh, this looks pretty good on paper. We need to pray about this. And so we start to pray. We were actually scared coming back home, like, I think this might be where God wants to take us. Please, God, no. (laughs) Was kind of our prayer. And so we get back home and as we think about it more and more it became obvious I think this is where God is leading us. And so in my prayer time, I I set aside, I took out my phone, I turned on worship, it's pitch black at the house because of this absurd time change, and I start worshiping. Now I can worship in my car and crank that music because I don't have to hear my voice. I can play, singing, it's a whole different issue. And I start insecurely worshiping in the quiet of my living room. I got my Bible. I open it up and I say, Holy Spirit, come. I need to know. I need to know if this is it. And I start reading through the Gospel of Mark and then I start praying, God, you got to show me. You got to tell me if this is it or not. And guess what he said? Nothing. Thanks, God. Thanks for that. We're talking about moving to the East Coast. Mosquitoes. I need answers. So I go to get ready with my morning and I'm looking at one of my uh, walls in the house and I say, you know what? I would love the scripture as for me and my house. We will serve the Lord, right? That'd be great for the house. So I open up my Bible and for whatever reason, I don't go to Joshua 24. I go to Joshua 1:9, and it says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And I went, Crap! Gosh, dang it! What is happening? And then I told God, All right, you know what? Whatever. I'm going to put out some fleeces anyway. And so I told some people, Like, Hey, I've been praying. God gave me a scripture. I'm just waiting for people to confirm that. And I know this is exactly how God was. He said, You're ridiculous. You asked. I spoke. You're not getting confirmations. You've had enough. Suck it up and go. And in Aurora's prayer time, God spoke to her as well. And so Aurora's going to share with you uh, what God shared with her. All
2: right. So (laughs) with mine, I was like, okay, T-line, pros, cons, you know. (laughs) So I started with all that. And then while I'm at Panera outside with no kids, the wind and the breeze and the beautiful <laughs> Southern California weather. <laughs> Thinking, okay, tell me no, tell me no, tell me we're not going to North Carolina, right? We're staying here. You're gonna make things work. Josh is gonna teach. We get summers off and relax in the pool with the kids. And then he shows me basically. He said, ha- "Haven't I always given you a door to the next thing, not an exit?" And then I clearly saw, like, one of those really ugly green exit signs, but with a big, basically, you know, like, no smoking sign, but it was, like, no exit. So I knew that was teaching, even though that would be great. He was saying, "Mm -mm, mm-mm, go through the door, and the door was North Carolina. And just like Joshua was like, crap, we're (laughs) going to North Carolina. (laughs) So that's, that's what he spoke to me.
1: So in short, we're going Going to North North Carolina. Carolina. (laughs) And it's it is the weirdest thing because we're not excited.
2: No, that's not true. We totally are.
1: There's some excitement. It's bittersweet. It's bittersweet. So this is kind of probably the reason I chose Abraham is because we probably feel something quite like that. Okay, God. I've heard you speak. I see the blessings. I see the growth. I see it all right there in front of me. But I'm not sure I want to leave my friends. My family. So we're going to a place where we don't have any of that around us. Now I know we'll make friends. Aurora is great. She helps me with that. But our family's not really near us. It's scary. And so we're looking at our lives and going, "Oh my gosh.
2: And we knew they would be mad at us." Who? Our family.
1: Oh yeah, our family's not happy. Not happy. Pray for that. <laughs> but where God has taken us is to a place where, okay, it's time to take your big leap of faith. It's time to step out into blessings that, we have pro- that I have promised you. And he's calling us to a place of discomfort. So, how can we all apply this to our lives? You can stay up here. You can... Okay. Okay. <laughs> Let me give you guys some practical tips on all this. Aurora and I didn't just simply make a big decision because we felt like making a big decision. We've window shopped in the south and in Texas and all that because you can get a mansion for the price of a shanty out here in California. And so we window shop and we drool and all that over the big houses, but it was always a joke. It was never really And so we didn't make this decision lightly. Instead, what we did is we applied what I would call the three seeks. The three seeks. Now, these three seeks are not intended to be done one after the other. It is not a three-step process to find answers. It's not that. These are things that we should all be doing when we know that we're going to be moving into big leaps of faith. The first is seek God. Seek God. We already shared about how we did that. We did it through worship, we did it through prayer, and we did it through scripture. And sure enough, God spoke to us. The other thing that I would recommend that everybody does is to seek counsel from godly and older people in your life. Proverbs tells us that there is a safety in a multitude of counselors. And so, to give you an example of how I did that, is before we flew to North Carolina, I went out to meet with different pastors, both within the vineyard and without the vineyard. I talked to people that were encouraging, that said, Hey, you should definitely go check that out. Oh man, Charlotte's a cool area. And then others that said, I wouldn't do it. One even told me I wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. And another one said, Ishmael's a tough baby to have. Like, Gee, it was horse. I would think any baby's tough to have, but that's just me. We sought people out on both sides. Some that were, they were all godly, they were all older, and they would tell us, now this looks good, and then some would say, oh, I would be careful. We have to seek people who are wiser. And just let me throw something out there to those of us who are in our 30s and under. You've got to talk to older people in your life. We just haven't lived long enough and so if you can find a godly older person that's the sweet spot for counsel the other is seek answers start knocking on doors explore the opportunities that are right there in front of you because you don't know what god is going to do before we went to north carolina there were some red flags there really were and so we went thinking this we're not going to do this because of all of these red flags (coughs) but as we got there All of those red flags had absolutely credible answers. And then it all started to make sense. But we wouldn't have known that if we wouldn't have taken that next step, which is to seek answers, to knock on those doors. And then finally, the last one, it's not a seek, but you know what the next step is. You've got to obey where God is telling you to go. You've got to listen to him, and you have to take that step, that big leap. Whatever your leap of faith is, whether it's a career change, whether it's school, whether it's sending out kids into the next step of their life, it doesn't matter. Take that leap of faith. For some of you in this room right now, that leap of faith is baptism. It's making that official commitment to follow and to serve Jesus. April 21st, take your leap of faith. We will never experience God's blessings and for our mindsets.